Paranorm podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Paranorm, the podcast where we talk about all things true crime and paranormal. I'm Emily. I'm Sierra. And this week we are discussing one of the first ever fucking reports of alien abduction. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, um... Wow. Yes. And that is the case of Betty and Barney Hill. Um, and let me just say this right now. Sorry, not sorry. This is going to be a bit of a long one um, because of the fact that it is the one of the first ever reported cases of alien abduction. So, yeah. All right. Before we get into all that wonderfulness, though, Sierra, let's do our check-in with one another. How the fuck are you? <laughs> that big that big pause. That's a heavy pause. Uh I'm doing good. Um was pretty productive today. Yeah. So I that's always You were editing the other episode. We're recording these right back to back because I'm going out of town. Ugh, so you suck. I know, I'm sorry. Um, um I'm actually very looking very much so looking forward to it. So Yeah, I am looking forward to it for you. Um <laughs> thought you were going to end right there. I'm looking forward to it, too. <laughs> I mean, I won't have you or Mags, so it'll just be That's me true. and Emmett and Robert and Spencer. Yep, and the greenhouse. Yeah. Gail. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she's kind of a turncoat, so I don't know how I feel about her. Yeah, she's, she's, she's been a lot lately. Um, and then all of the wonderful plants in my bedroom. <laughs> Did you forget about them? (laughs) No. (laughs) She totally forgot about them. Oh, man. Um, But, yeah. You Um, you had the day off, even though not really, because you still had a crap ton of things to get done. Yeah. I'm not sure, because I feel like, you know, one more day, it's like, it's only one day. Yeah. So, it's like, is there really helpful or is it just i don't know i guess one day off means you only have a four day week so true you get to the end to the weekend faster yes um i do have quite a few things to accomplish this week so um there is that there is that but yeah no today was today was productive today was my last day at work before vacation so i was pretty fucking thrilled when i got home at 5 30 this evening mm-hmm I turned in my keys and everything, so I'm I'm pretty thrilled. I have my wine, gl- my skeleton wine glass, aka Javier, chilling right now, with some rosé. Mm-hmm. So we're thriving. Yeah, I but, think so. Yeah. All right. I feel like that's everything. We we don't have any housekeeping to get out of the way or anything like that. Mm, nope. Nope. All right. Let's get into this case then, because it is a case. Uh, before I obviously get into the story, my sources for this week um, are history.com, like Ooh. thehistory.com, nice. um, Wikipedia, obviously, <laughs> um, a, a deep dive down into a Reddit hole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that seems like someplace. 
and a couple more that I will be putting on the blog, so check that out, um, with, along with pictures of Betty and Barney and of the um, area where they were abducted and all that sort of fun stuff. So, okay. yeah, that's those are my sources for this case, all that jazz. For some background on this lovely couple, uh, they lived in Portsmouth? Yeah. Okay. New Hampshire. Uh, Barney was employed by the United States Postal Service. I hope to God he was a better postman than our postman because he sucks and I hate him. We have beef. Let's just put it that way. Mm. He's terrible. Just the one. Just the one. There's a couple others that deliver mail to us and I love them. They're wonderful. They're very kind. So I have to say that mine from back home is top notch. So. Well, the ones that deliver to um, my parents... Mm-hmm. Um, Bill and my mom, she's terrible. She, like, throws their packages oh, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of their yard and, like, leaves them on the side of their garage, and their garage is, like, a separate building from their house. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can very clearly see that it is, in fact, a garage and not a house. Um, and so she just kind of, like, gives no fucks. Uh, so, yeah. um, anyway, Barney, Barney was good. He was, okay. he was, he worked at the post office. Um, while Betty was a social worker. So both of these um, home skillets had government jobs. Um, and by all accounts were like upstanding mm-hmm. members of their community. Um, just, you know, well liked and pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were active in their local Unitarian com- congregation. Okay. Um, the Hills were also members of the NAACP and community lim- leaders, which goes along right with the fact that they were prominent, well-liked people in the mm-hmm. community. And uh, Barney sat on the local board of United States Commission on Civil Rights. They were an interracial couple. Barney was black and Betty was white. This was not common for the time because it's the 60s. Um, and when was when was the loving case finally ratified do you know who the lovings are no they were the first um interracial couple in the united states that were allowed to get married oh i do not know um they like set a president and then they passed like laws stating that they were allowed to get married it was called like the loving law or something like that Mm -hmm. that was their last name um just convenient Yes, right? <laughs> like, imagine if the Potters had gotten married first. <laughs> <laughs> or the Hills. Yeah. Um, so, according to a variety of reports, because there are a shit ton of reports, because this is one of the first cases. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's there's a whole entire podcast on this. There's whole entire books. There's TV shows. There's documentaries. There's mm-hmm. so much stuff. And there's only so much that I could fit in. This is an extensive look into things, but this isn't like a, you know. It's a, a, we all can only, inclusive. Yeah, we can't stay here for four hours mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about one abduction because yeah. that would be a lot. And yeah. I can only run my mouth so much. <sighs> uh, the alleged Uf- UFO... Sighting mm-hmm. happened on September 19th, 1961, around 10.30 p.m. Uh, the Hills were driving back to Portsmouth from vacation in Niagara Falls and Montreal, just south of... Okay, how's this? How's the Yankee way of saying it? Lancaster? Oh, Lancaster. Okay, from there. <laughs> New Hampshire. So, they were, like, coasting 
Okay. Down. Gotcha. Um, and Betty claimed to observe a bright point of light in the sky that moved from below the moon and the planet Jupiter upward to the west of the moon. So it was kind of okay. like darting around just to hop a bit. Um, while Barney navigated U.S. Route 3, Betty reasoned that she was observing a falling star, only it moved upward, which would not make it a falling star. <laughs> Like, in mm. that direction. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like how you're thinking about it, like... <laughs> well, like, upward if it was going up, but, like, behind them. Oh, well, yeah. But, like, the way she's describing it is, like, it's going, like, straight up. Oh, okay. Um, so... Since it moved erratically and grew bigger and brighter, Betty urged Barney to stop the car for a closer look, as well as to walk their dog, Delcy. So, Barney then stopped at a scenic picnic area, you know, like the little Mm -hmm. pull-offs, just south of a mountain called Twin Mountain. Okay. Uh, So, then Betty looked through binoculars which i guess makes sense because they were coming from niagara falls slash montreal that they would have like you know sightseeing type shit like that yeah um and then doing so while like looking through the binoculars Mm -hmm. she observed an odd shaped craft flashing multicolored lights uh that traveled again like uh, across the face of the moon Mm mm-hmm Because her sister had several years earlier said that she had seen a flying saucer, Betty thought it might be, like, what she was seeing. Oh, yeah. Through the binoculars, Barney observed what he reasoned was a commercial airliner traveling toward Vermont on... No. Yeah, on its... Like, traveling towards Vermont, but, like, on its way to Montreal, probably. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, However, he soon changed his mind because without looking as if it had turned, the craft had rapidly descended in his direction, which would be so fucking creepy. Like... Like, it spotted them. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, this observation caused Barney to quickly realize the... Quote, the object that was a plane was not a plane. (laughs) Um, End quote. They quickly returned to the car and drove toward Fraconia Notch, which is like a narrow mountainous road type area. The hills claimed that they continued driving on the isolated road, moving very slowly through the Fraconia, Fraconia Notch, in order to observe the object as it came even closer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big fucking no for me. Uh, yeah, no, I'm gonna have to hard pass that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I'm kind of surprised that you don't want to see the alien. I saw them. Now I want to get away from them. <laughs> uh, at one point, the object passed above a restaurant and a single tower um, on top of Cannon Mountain and came out of, like, came out near old man of the mountain which honestly what the fuck is up with the names of this like uh seems like really old names that nobody bothered to change uh, basically so betty then testified that um and this this could be in one of the many polygraph uh like exams examinations that she took Mm -hmm. or like um just one of the many recount like recounts that she gave Mm -hmm. so betty testified that it was at least one and a half times the length of a granite cliff profile which is about like 40 feet long 
Okay. I'm going to, we're, we're going to go with that. Um, and it seemed to be rotating. No, thank you. Uh, the couple, <laughs> the couple watched as the silent, it, oh, and it's silent. It's completely oh. silent. No, like, motor sound. No anything. motor, engine sounds, nothing. Um, and that it seemed to be, uh moving in a erratic kind of pattern as to which like an airplane or a helicopter would not be able to move um which i've i've heard a lot of like recounts uh, of that yeah recounts of that i'm just like if i'm the alien and i'm driving my spaceship <laughs> like a crazy person like yeah. what the heck yeah i mean i guess it's just like the the ease of, of which it does so you know it's because like it student would driver it, yeah it would just kind of bounce back and forth is what they would go on to say. I don't know. I just feel like if I'm in that spaceship, like, I'm not yeah. driving it like that. Yeah. I don't know. I fuck with it. And I drive maybe they have... I mean, I drive my car like that, so. Um, all right. You're well. not even going to argue with that because you know <laughs> that is how I drive. So Okay, so instead of saying that you drive like a maniac, I'm going to say you drive like an alien. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start it. <laughs> I'm like an alien. Oh, my God. There's our t-shirt design right there. Uh, approximately one mile south of Indian Head, they said that the object began to rapidly descend towards their vehicle. And they were in a, I believe it was a pickup truck, causing Barney to stop in the middle of the highway. Smart choice. Um, <laughs> the craft was described to be about 80 to 100 feet in length. Okay. And size, um, and it was, it was a Bel Air. Okay. Above the Hills 1957 Chevrolet Bel Air. So, compared to that, I mean, that car is a boat. Yes. I will post a picture on the blog of this car, um, but that car is an actual boat. So, but compared to that, that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. Because, like, at least, like, eight of them. Yeah. It reminded, oh, this is funny. It reminded Barney of a huge pancake. <laughs> so, you guys gotta eat. <laughs> yes. So, Barney, being a no fucks given kind of man, was carrying his pistol in his pocket and he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Um, using the bar- binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen about eight to 11 humanoid type figures who were peering out of the craft's windows um in a way that it was like seeming that they were looking at him or they have like acknowledging his presence Mm -hmm. you know yeah in unison all but one figure moved to what appeared to be like a uh, panel on the rear wall Mm -hmm. of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft Okay. Does that make sense? I think I got it. Okay. Um, So, the one remaining figure that continued to look at Barney um, communicated a message telling him to, quote, stay where you are and keep looking. Um, Barney had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Honestly, woodwear. (laughs) Yes, you would. (laughs) (laughs) All black everything. So, red lights started to come out of the side of the craft, and it kind of looked like um, bat wings, almost. Mm -hmm. They began to descend from the bottom of the craft. So, imagine it is kind of like a pancake. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from, you know how 
it kind of curves down. Yeah. Like a real fluffy pancake. Mm-hmm. So from the bottom of it are mm-hmm. these red beams of light oh, okay. that are kind of like moving in such a way it looks like like bat wings, I'm guessing. Oh, the red lights make up the wings. Yes. Oh, okay, yes. gotcha. They're like moving back and forth, like showing them the yeah, area. Yeah, they're kind of like searching the area. Um, So the silent craft began to approach what Barney estimated within 50 to 80 feet overhead and 300 feet away from him. So it was about 50 to 80 feet off the ground mm-hmm. and about 300 feet away from him. Oh, okay, gotcha. So on October 21st, 1961, so we're jumping a, about a month month ahead here. Um, Barney reported to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or also known as the um, NICAP. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Investigator, the investigator's name was Walter Webb. Love that. Um, That the beings, quote, were somehow not human, which is, no thank you. So, that is what, like they're going off of like these mm-hmm. are some fucked up humans in the moment this is what barney is thinking so barney then removed the binoculars away from his eyes and ran back to his car like you should have done fucking 20 minutes ago <laughs> um in a near hysterical state he told betty quote they're going to capture us hmm no, thank you <laughs> <laughs> he saw the object again and it's like it again oh god the object again shifted its location to directly above the vehicle mm-hmm. uh he drove away at a high speed which he should have fucking done 20 minutes ago <laughs> um telling betty to look for the object she rolled down the window and looked up and almost immediately after they heard a um steady kind of constant sound of uh beeping and buzzing Mm-hmm. Uh, which they said seemed to bounce off the trunk of their car. The car then vibrated and tingled, like a tingling sensation passed through their bodies. Oh. I'm guessing that's kind of like the same sensation you get when you get shocked, maybe? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Um, because it's not really, like, a pain. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's more so of a tingling. Um... The Hills said that then they then experienced the onset of an altered state of consciousness that left their minds dulled, which also happens when you get shocked. Mm. You kind of go stupid for a second, as my dad so lovingly puts it. <laughs> um, uh, a second series of beeping or buzzing sounds returned the couple's minds to, like, full consciousness. Mm-hmm. They then found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles. Oh, yikes. Right? And what were we discuss or what were they discussing on X Files the other day? The loss of time. Mm-hmm. So oh we're rewatching X Files together because mm-hmm. we need a series to watch and we just finished what was it, Killing Eve? Yeah. And okay, I'm obsessed with Eve. Or not Eve. Name. Not Eve. I can't stand Eve. I'm obsessed with Villanelle. Yeah. <laughs> obsessed with her. Um and I'm also obsessed with Scully because she's amazing. So um, anyway, back to this. They recalled making a sudden unplanned turn and then encountering a roadblock and observing the fiery orb, like a, a fiery orb in mm-hmm. the middle of the fucking road. Okay, Moses. <laughs> what? In the burning bush. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, so, 
Sorry, now, church joke for you. <laughs> you, you. You threw in a church joke and I had to question it. You're welcome. So now we're going to move into the immediate aftermath um, okay. of this. I have it like sectioned off in my notes. <laughs> okay. So um, after they arrived home at about dawn, remember this started at what, 10 something? Yes, ten th- around 10.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. And now they're getting back at fucking dawn. Yeah, well... That's lost time and lost travel. Yeah. Which are both things that are really common in, like, alien abduction stories, which is why they put it in the X-Files. Good for them. (laughs) So, they um, started to discuss with one another that Mm -hmm. they had some sort of, like, odd sensations and impulses that they really could not explain. Mm -hmm. Betty insisted on... Um, keeping their luggage by the back door rather than the main part of their house, which was really weird. Um, their watches never worked again. Mm, Little throwback to our <laughs> X-Files episode. Or um, X-Files is throwing back to them. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying it for you, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> so, Barney then said that the leather strap of the binoculars were torn. Though he could not recall it tearing. And the toes of his best dressed shoes were scraped. Mm. Um, oh, that's what I meant to say. Okay, so I also listened to an episode of And That's Why We Drink. Mm-hmm. Because M covered it and yeah. they did such a good job on it. Yeah. Um, they get really, really in in depth um yeah with it so i would definitely recommend going listen to m tell it because mm-hmm. they do a wonderful job yeah so um anyway the toes of his best dress shoes were scraped mm-hmm. uh barney says that he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know but he said that he found nothing unusual, though. Oh, that's good. That's something. They took a really long showers to remove possible contamination and drew each other a picture of what they thought they had observed. Oh, okay. Um, confused, the Hills say that they tried to reconstruct, like, chronologically the events of what they witnessed on their drive home. Mm-hmm. Um, concerning, like, the UFO and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously. I mean, they're not going to talk about the bird that they saw earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But immediately... Niagara Falls, what? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Forget fucking Niagara Falls (laughs) at this point. Um, but immediately after they were going to, like, recount their events, they heard buzzing sounds and their memories became incomplete and fragmented. Mm. How fucking wild is that? So, after... They're watching you. They're always fucking watching. Hi, Robert. <laughs> so, after sleeping for a few hours, Betty woke up and placed her shoes and clothing that she had worn during the drive into her closet, um, observing that the dress was torn at the hem, the zipper, and the lining. Hmm. So, that's a good many places. Yeah. And they're, it's very awkward places to tear to. Well, the zipper's not, because zippers tear all the time. Um, but the hem and the lining. Yeah, but I'm thinking about, like, like zippers, like, in the 60s. It was probably a little more difficult. Yeah. To. 
Yeah. yeah, that's true. So, later on, when she retrieved the items from her closet, she noticed a uh, pinkish-type powder mm-hmm. on them. Uh, but the dress was irreparably damaged. Well, so, like... She couldn't fix it. Yeah. So, that's a lot. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, she threw it away, but then changed her mind, retrieving the dress and hanging it in her closet. Over the years... Five motherfucking laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis on the dress. Whoa. Yeah. So, there were shiny um, circles uh, on the car's trunk Mm -hmm. that had not been there the previous day. Mm -hmm. Betty and Varney both experimented with a compass, noting that when they moved it close to the spots, the needle would whirl rapidly. Yeah. So, that's wild. Yeah. Um, But then... When they moved it a few inches away from the shiny spots, it would drop down. Mm. Also very strange. So, um, now I'm going to tell you about the initial report to the U.S. Air Force and the NICAP. Mm-hmm. So, on September 21st, Betty telephoned the Peace... Peace? Peasy? I don't know. It's spelled like peace, but with an S instead of a C. Mm. Um, Air Force Base to report their UFO encounter. Though for fear of being labeled eccentric, she withheld some of the details. Mm. On September 22nd, which so happens to be the first day of fall this year. Nice. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for more detailed, for a more detailed report. Mm-hmm. Henderson's report dated September 26th determined that the Hills had probably probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. Mm, I'm probably gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was later changed to optical, opti- optical condition and inversion uh, slash insufficient data. So like he doesn't know. Yes. Gotcha. Pretty much. <laughs> um, now, if anybody wants to look this up because of the Freedom of Information Act, mm-hmm. it's Report 100-1-61. Um, Air Intelligence Information Record? I think I wrote that right. His report was forwarded to Project Blue Book, which is the UFO, like, the UFO report okay for the united states air force slash the united states government which i will cover because it's Mm -hmm. it's a big one like this so within days of their encounter betty borrowed a ufo book from a local library it had been written by retired marine corps major donald e kehoe so, who was also the head of nicap at the time Mm -hmm. um a civilian obviously as i just stated was the research group for mm-hmm. UFOs. Yeah. Um, on September 26th, Betty wrote to Kehoe. She told him the full story, including the details of the humanoid figures that mm-hmm. um, Barney had saw. And Betty wrote that she had... No. Betty had included in her, in her story that she and Barney were considering hypnosis to help recall what had happened. Because, remember, they could mm-hmm. only remember such... Like, certain details? Yeah. Um, and fragmented parts of everything. Yeah. So, her letter was eventually passed on to Walter N. Webb, a Boston astronomer. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) And a NICAP member. Mm. Mm Mmm. Keep it in the fam. Yes. 
So, Webb met with the Hills on October 21st, 1961 in a six-hour interview. Whoa. Yes. Hopefully they had some food. I'm telling you, they better motherfucking had had some food. If you're going to have people over, you need to have snacks. (laughs) Oh, I figured the government should bring the food. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) No. Anyway. That would never happen. I know. Unless they were trying to poison you. Literally. Thinking. <laughs> no, we'll always be suspicious. I'm always suspicious. What are you talking about? Mm. Is it suspicious to be suspicious of something? I think that's paranoid. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I think mean. that's I think that's described as being paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> as I so like to put it, I'm I'm a healthy dose of paranoid. Mm. Everybody needs to be a little bit paranoid, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially women. Keeps you safe. Yes. So, uh, the Hills um, told them everything that they could remember mm-hmm. with their little bit that they could remember um, of their UFO encounter. Barney had asserted that he had developed a mental block. Which is a really good term for it, because if they could only remember a little bit, a, a mental block is kind of a good way to put that. Mm-hmm. And that he had suspected that there were some portions of the event that he did not want to remember. Right. Which is also probably true, mm-hmm. like, along with the fact that the aliens probably might, more than likely, have done something to his, you know, memory. Mm-hmm. But there was also probably a part of him that just didn't want to remember stuff. Right, trauma. Yeah, exactly. So, he described in detail all that he could remember about the craft and the appearance of the somehow Mm -hmm. not-human figurines aboard the craft. Webb stated that, quote, they were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observations where human judgment is involved. Eyewitness account. Yes, exactly. So, um, he goes on to say that such things like exact time, length of visibility, apparent size of objects and occupants, uh, distance, and height of object, which is completely understandable because I could not tell you how far our shed away, like, how far our shed is away from us, you know? Mm, yeah. I don't know how fuck, what? How many feet is that? Yeah, exactly. It's over there, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, I get that. I can I can probably do, like, people's height. Oh, yeah. Pretty okay, but that's that's going off of, like, door frames because most door frames are a certain height. Mm-hmm. So then you judge from that. Um, but, like, that's, that's pretty on par with, you know, people's memories. And like you yeah. said, eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts are so fucked up anyway. Yeah. So... They already have people on board to believe them, mm-hmm. which with what they had, I mean, that's a good amount of evidence. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think they had a lot to go on. Like, yeah, if they, if that's all, if that's what they remembered and then that's all they could remember and they thought that there was more, I mean, like, that's a lot. Yes. So now we're going to move on to a different little section. Okay. And that is Betty's dreams. Ten days after the alleged UFO encounter, and I'm going to keep saying UFO, like, alleged UFO encounter, because I don't actually know. Nobody fucking knows, except Mm -hmm. for Betty and Barney. So. Well, and they 
don't really know. Exactly. So I'm going to say alleged, just like you're going to say alleged for a suspected criminal. You know? Yeah. We don't, we don't know. That's the thing. So, um, Betty began having a series of vivid dreams. They continued for five consecutive nights. Never in her memory had she recalled dreams in such detail and intensity, mm-hmm. which I have, like, certain dreams that are very intense and very vivid, mm-hmm. which I really want to learn how to lucid dream because that would be really fucking cool, where you can, like, control the dream, like, mm-hmm. when you realize that you were dreaming. Yeah. Um, but they stopped abruptly after five nights and never returned. Also very weird. So, they occupied... Yeah, seriously. They occupied her thoughts during the day, which I don't see how they couldn't. Yeah. Like, if you're having vivid fucking dreams for the first time in your life, you're gonna think about them. (laughs) Like, I still think about the first nightmare I ever had, you know? Mm. So, uh, when she finally did mention them to Barney, he was sympathetic, but not too concerned. Like all men. (laughs) Um, That um, nothing was, like, too the matter mm. with her um and then dropped it uh betty did not mention them to barney again which i can't blame a girl so in november of 1963 betty began writing down the details of her dreams in one dream she and barney encountered a roadblock and men who surrounded their car she lost consciousness but struggled to regain it she then realized that she was being forced by two small men to walk in a forest at nighttime and seeing barney walking behind her though when she called to him he seemed to be in a trance or like sleepwalking Mm -hmm. almost So, the men stood about five feet to five feet four inches tall and wore matching blue uniforms with caps similar to those worn by military cadets, Mm -hmm. which kind of goes on par with what Barney was saying that they looked like wearing the black uniforms, because black and blue can be mistaken for one another, especially different shades, and if it's nighttime and there's, like, weird light action happening. Yeah. So. And, like, it could be, like, different ranks. Yes, exactly. So, they appeared nearly human mm-hmm. with black hair, dark eyes, and prominent noses uh, with bluish lips. Their skin was, however, a grayish color. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in the dreams, Betty, Barney, and the men walked up the ramp into a disc-shaped craft of, like, a metallic kind of appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, still kind of on par with the pancake craft that mm-hmm. I described earlier. Um, Once inside, Barney and Betty were separated. She protested and was told by the men that she called the, like, leader, like, told Mm -hmm. by the leader of such group, Mm -hmm. um, that if she and Barney were examined together, it would take much longer to conduct the exams. So, that's hella fucking concerning. Yeah. Do not appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so she and Barney were then taken to separate rooms. So, Betty then dreamt that a new man, similar to the others, entered to conduct the exam with the leader. Betty called this new man the examiner. He said he had pleasant, he had a pleasant and calm manner about him. Though the leader and the examiner spoke to her in English, the examiner's command of the language seemed imperfect and had like a difficult time understanding him you know how like oh, non-native yeah. ex- like speakers it's kind of hard to it's like understand. broken yes um which is what she described this as mm-hmm. now the examiner then would tell betty that he would conduct a few tests to note the differences between humans and the crafts 
occupants, which is, again, no thank you. <laughs> um, he seated her on a chair and a bright light was shown on her. The man cut off a lock of Betty's hair. He examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands. Um, he saved the trimmings from her fingernails? Mm. No. Um, after examining her legs, feet, the man used a dull knife, similar to that of, like, an, a letter opener. Oh, okay. Um, to scrape some of her skin onto what, resem- like, resembled, um, cellophane, which is mm-hmm. the... Saran wrap. Yeah, thank you. Um, he then tested her nervous system and thrust a knee... Oh, God, I don't like this part. I remember reading this right. I was like, no, thank you. Real hard. Real, real hard. No, thank you. Um, he thrust the needle into her navel, which caused Betty agonizing pain. And I can't fucking deal with that, Sierra. <laughs> Whereupon the leader waved his hand in front of Betty's eyes and the pain motherfucking vanished. All right. No! <laughs> I just want to put my hand over my belly button no. so bad right now. I can't deal with it. So, this is all her dream, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, then, the examiner left the room and Betty engaged in conversation with the, quote, leader. Um, she picked up a book with Rose's strange symbols on it that the leader said she could take home with her. What? Mm. Um, she also asked where he came from and pulled down an instructional map with dotted stars. In Betty's dream account, the men began to lead the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book. Mm. So, stating that they had decided that the other men did not want her to even remember the account. Uh, Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall the events. She and Barney were taken to their car, where the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, and then resumed their drive. So, there's that. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's an intense fucking dream. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a lot. Right? Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move on to, like, their, um... Oh, so I don't think I mentioned this, but Wikipedia breaks it down really well, Mm -hmm. like this. Um, and so does the, um, Histories website. Oh, okay. They both do a really good job with it. Um, but, like, this part I got from, mostly from the other website, which I'll put on the blog. I don't remember what the name of it is right now off the top of my head, but it will be on there. So, on... November 25th, 1961, the Hills were again interviewed at length by NICAP members, this time C.D. Jackson and Robert E. Homan. We're going to go with Homan. Um, (laughs) Although the Hills had noted that they had arrived home later than anticipated, the drive should have taken about four hours. Okay. Um, so they claim to not have realized that they arrived home seven hours after the departure from Colebrook. Mm. Holy fucking shit, man. Yeah. So when Homan and Jackson noted this discrepancy to the hills, the couple had no explanation. A phenomenon a phenomenon UFOologists call missing time, which we had just discussed. Um, The Hills claimed to recall almost nothing of the 35 miles of US 30 
no, of U.S. Route 3 between Lincoln slash Indian Head and Ashland, both claimed to recall an image of a fiery orb sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Betty and Barney reasoned that it seemed to be the moon, which is not where the moon's supposed to go. Um, <laughs> Betty and, uh, no, it's not sorry. fiery either. Exactly. Uh, but Homan and Jackson informed them that the moon had set earlier in the evening. Mm, so it wasn't even out. Yup. The subject of hypnosis came up and was decided that it should be carried out in order to elicit previously and irretrievable memories. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's a very debatable concept of like, um. The pseudoscience. Kind yes. Of. Uh, like h- hypnosis alone is already something Mm -hmm. but hypnotic regression already is something that is so debatable um because they can put put like produce false memories Mm -hmm. yeah and it could also go off of whatever the hypnotist is suggesting Mm -hmm. um because we've already you and i have already discussed how it's some people are just not able to be hypnotized mm-hmm. because of their mindset. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's just a very, very debatable thing. So, take this with a grain of salt. Um, so, when the subject of hypnosis came up, it was decided that it should be carried out in t- order to retrieve the memories, as I said a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Barney was apprehensive about hypnosis, but thought it might help Betty to put to rest what Barney had described as the nonsense about her dreams. Oh, right? You're supposed to be supportive. Seriously, man. But it was the 60s, so really not. Um, by February 1962, so the next year, the Hills were making frequent weekend drives to White Mountains, hoping that revisiting the site might spark more memories. Mm. They were unsuccessful in trying to locate the site where they observed the fiery orb sitting in the road. However, they were able to eliminate several possible routes. Um, they found what they claimed was the, quote, capture site Mm -hmm. um on labor day weekend of 1965 so now we're going to move on to the disclosures um we're gonna start with the private ones first okay on november 23rd 1962 so this is the whole next year Mm -hmm. um the hills attended a meeting at the parsonage of their church where the invited guest speaker was captain ben h sweat of the United States Air Force, who had recently published a book of his poetry. Which, what? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Right? Um, After he read selections of his poetry, the pastor asked him to discuss his personal interest in hypnosis. Mm -hmm. After... What? what? Right? Why? I don't fucking know. Okay. I don't know what pastors are up to, man. After the meeting broke up, the Hills approached Captain Sweat privately and told him what they could remember of their strange encounter. Could you fucking imagine this couple coming up to you and telling you this fucking saga of their alien abduction and just that spiraling from there? Because I could not imagine. Well, I feel like this would be a Walmart situation. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I don't shop at Walmart, so that's... I feel like that would be something that would happen to me in the Walmart. Mm. I just can't imagine, like, some person is there to, like, 
speak on some to speak like to do a thing and then you go up to them and tell them your life story instead of asking about yeah so there's this one time i got abducted by aliens and i really think you should know about it like "Mm, no thank you why are they asking this guy about hypnosis when he just went there to read poems i don't know man it just is what it is Mm, so so do, do, do. He was particularly interested in the, quote, missing time on the Hills account, which is a really interesting point to me, too, so yeah. I understand, homeboy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hills asked Sweat if he would hypnotize them to recover their memories, but Sweat said he was not qualified to do so and cautioned them against going to an amateur hypnotist mm-hmm. such as himself. Um, which, honestly, good for fucking him. Yeah. On March 3rd, 1963, the Hills first publicly discussed the UFO encounter with their group at church. Mm. Um, so this is, again, a year after the first time they talked about it privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and two years after... No, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's more like a year and a half after the incident. So, on September 7th, 1963, Captain Sweat returned and gave a formal lecture on hypnosis to a meeting at the Unitarian Church. Honestly, why are they doing this at church? I don't know. That's very strange. Okay, that's strange to you, too, though, right? Yeah. And you are into church, It's, like, for church, or it's just at the church, but it's, like, a community I don't know. I can't... I cannot answer that. Okay. I do not know. Because I can see that. If they're just Oh, like, using the space? Yeah. They're having, like, a community event, but just at the church. Especially if they have, like, a... I mean, I couldn't see your church just for funsies hosting a hypnotist. Well, I don't know if it's, like, how big of a town it is. If it's a small town, they might not have very many venues. Oh, true. Then why is he, homeboy, still coming back? I don't know. Maybe he's on tour. (laughs) Small town tour. Okay. After the lecture, the Hills told him that Barney was going to a psychiatrist, um, named Mr. Stevens, whom he liked and trusted. Uh, do-do-do... Captain Sweat suggested that Barney ask Stevens about the use of hypnosis in his case. Which, again, I'm a little... I mean, Barney's the one that didn't want to do it to begin with. Exactly. So, when Barney next met with Stevens, he asked about hypnosis. Stevens referred the Hills to Benjamin Simon of Boston. On November 3rd, 1963, so a couple months later, Mm -hmm. um, the Hill spoke before an amateur UFO study group, the two-state UFO study group in Quincy Center, Massachusetts. The Hills first met Simon on December 14th, 1963. Early in their discussion, Simon... Early in their discussions, Simon determined that the UFO encounter was causing Barney far more worry and anxiety than he was willing to admit, Mm. which goes along with the time. Yeah. Because, like, men weren't supposed to express any sort of worry or fear. Yeah. Um, or it would be seen as not manly. Um, so... Though Simon dismissed the popular extraterrestrial hypothesis as impossible, it seemed obvious to him that the Hills genuinely thought they had witnessed a UFO with human-like occupants. Simon hoped to uncover more about the experience through hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So, 
with that said, now we're going to move into the hypnosis sessions. Okay. Um, Simon began hypnotizing the Hills on January 4th, 1964. So, moving a little bit further out from the actual events. Mm-hmm. Um, he hypnotized Betty and Barney several times each, and the sessions lasted until June 6, 1964. Simon conducted the sessions on Barney and Betty separately, so they could not overhear one another's recollections. And at the end of each session, he reinstated the amne- like amnesia, amnesia, amnesia. Um, I guess to just keep up with that mental block that they had created slash. And given, you know? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So, Simon hypnotized Barney first. He recalled witnessing the non-human figures with, like, um, with, like, quite an emotional reaction. Mm. Um, his expressions were that of fear. He had emotional outbursts and um, just was overall completely un- uncomfortable with mm-hmm. the entire thing. Uh, Barney said that due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and the physical physical examination. Based on these early responses, Simon told Barney that he would not remember the hypnosis sessions until he was certain he could remember them without being further traumatized, mm-hmm. which is, you know, granted... Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to fuck up the dude more than he's already been fucked up. Yeah. So, under hypnosis, um, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. Honestly, what? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Well... Um, he eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car then stalled, and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear him. He, however, was still anxious because, honestly, if somebody's going to tell you not to fear them, you're definitely going to fucking fear them. <laughs> that's like earlier when we were cleaning off the pool cover, and mm-hmm. I was like, don't freak out. <laughs> I'm like, that's not how you get someone to not freak out. <laughs> there were like a billion slugs on our pool cover, and it was disgusting. It was really gross and not fun. Top notch. Yes. Great time. (laughs) Um, So he was still obviously anxious. Mm -hmm. However, he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. And while he was hypnotized, Barney said, quote, I feel, I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. Like the dude's eyes had pushed into his eyes. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't really like that description. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the navel thing all over again. Um, okay. <laughs> Barney described the beans as generally similar to Betty's hypnotic recollection of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the beans often stared into Barney's eyes um, with a terrifying but mesmerizing effect. And under hypnosis, Barney said things like, oh, those eyes, they're in my brain. Hmm. No. <laughs> and, quote, I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine, and I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes, end quote. I don't really like that. That's not freaky at all. Nope. 
And um, another quote went on to say, all I see are these eyes. I'm not even afraid that they're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes, end quote. <laughs> I wish y'all could see the look on Sierra's face right now because it is it is an, actually a mood. Right? Like, like of all the things, I did not expect that. Right? So, Barney related that he and Betty were taken onto the disc-shaped craft where they were separated. He was escorted to a room by three of the men and told to lie on a small rectangular exam table. Unlike Barney, no, unlike Betty, Barney's narrative of the exam was less detailed as he continued to keep his eyes closed for most of the exam. Mm -hmm. Smart man. Um, (laughs) A cup-like device was placed over his genitals and he did not experience an orgasm. Though Barney thought that the sperm sample, like, thought that a sperm sample had been taken, Mm. the men scraped his skin and peered in his eyes and mouth, and I really just, I'm not a fan of this examination. A thin tube or cylinder was inserted into his anus and quickly removed. Someone felt his spine and seemed to be counting his vertebrae. No. No. Mm -mm. Don't touch me. (laughs) I don't even like to give hugs. Yeah. Don't touch me. Um, Betty reported a conversation with the, quote, leader that she understood in English, and Barney had said that he heard them speaking in a mumbling language, yet he also understood them in English. So, um, the few times that they communicated with him, with Barney, uh, he said that it seemed to be thought transference, which is Mm. another thing that a bunch of abductees say, that it's not so much that they hear it out loud, but in their actual, like, in their their head. head. Yeah. Um, at the time, he was unfamiliar with the word, uh, telepathy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, both Betty and Barney stated that they hadn't observed the bean's mouth moving when they communicated in English with them. Yeah. He recalled being escorted from the ship and taken to his car in a daze when he watched the ship leave. Barney remembered a light appearing on the road and said, quote, oh no, not again. Mm. Nope. That's a big (laughs) fucking no for me. Thank you. He recalled Betty's speculation that the light might have been the moon, though the moon had set several hours earlier, as Mm -hmm. we had already talked about. He also stated that he attempted to produce a code-like buzzing sound, which seemed to strike the car's trunk a second time by driving from side to side and stopping and starting the vehicle. His attempt was unsuccessful. Like, to see if that was the noise. Mm -hmm. You know, you know how the, the road, what are those things called? The, um, rumble strip? Yes. Okay, so now we're going to move into Betty Sessions. Um, I'm, I didn't go into as much detail with Betty Sessions because her dreams. Yeah, she already had quite a bit of detail. Yeah, so, um, this is nowhere as near as much as Barney's information, but that's just because of Betty's dreams. So, under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to the events of her five dreams about the UFO abduction, as I just stated, but there were also notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release. The technology on the craft was different. The short men had significantly significantly different physical appearance than that of her dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, the sequential order of the abduction events were also different from her dreams, and Barney's and Betty's memories and hypnotic regression were consistent with one another's, but contradicted 
some of the information in Betty's dreams. Which is, you know, to be understandable. Mm -hmm. Because dreams aren't, you know. Yeah. They're fucking dreams for Christ's sakes. Yeah. So, Betty exhibited considerable emotional distress during her capture and examination. Simon ended one session early because tears were flowing down her cheeks when she appeared distressed. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't fuck with that. Uh, Simon gave Betty post-hypnotic suggestion that she could sketch a copy of the star map that she had described as a three-dimensional projection similar to a hologram. Eventually, she did what Simon suggested, although she said that the map had many stars. She drew only those that stood out from her memory. So, you know, the biggest or the the most interesting looking ones, I guess. Mm. Because I... I think, like, when I tell you about my day and stuff, I don't tell you about, like, everything I did. Mm -hmm. Or, like, if you're looking at a landscape and you are, like, oh, that's a nice bird that you happen to spot. You're not going to tell me about each and everything that you see in said Mm -hmm. landscape. You're going to pick out the tiny little details that you notice more more so. Yeah. So, I mean, that's understandable. Um, And it would also be a lot to remember all the stars. Exactly. So, her map consisted of 12 prominent stars connected by lines with with three lesser ones that formed a distinctive triangle. She said that she was told the stars connected by solid lines formed trade routes. I don't like that. Um, Whereas dashed lines were less traveled to stars. Okay. And that is the recollection of Betty's hypnosis events. Okay. Or at least how far I'm going to go into it. Like I said, there's so much more information that I just, I just could not put it all in here because we would be in here forever. (laughs) Um, Simon's conclusions of all this jazz Mm -hmm. was after the hypnosis session, Simon speculated that Barney's recollection of the UFO encounter was possibly a fantasy inspired by Betty's dreams. Um, Simon thought it was most reasonable and consistent explanation. Barney obviously rejected this idea, noting that while their memories were consistent in some regards, there were also portions of both of their narratives that were unique to each. Mm-hmm. Um, Barney was now ready to accept that they had, in fact, been abducted by the occupants of the UFO, though he never fully embraced it as Betty did, because mm-hmm. Betty... Betty was on board for yeah. the fucking start. Yeah. Um, though the Hills and Simon de- disagreed about the nature of the case, they all concurred that the hypnosis sessions were effective. The Hills were no longer tormented by anxiety about their experience, which is that's good. Honestly, yeah, all you could fucking ask for. Yeah. Afterwards, Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the journal Psychiatric Opinion, explaining his conclusions that the case was a singular. Singular psychological apparition. So, the next little jump we're going to make is to the media attention and all of that jazz. Okay. Because, as I stated at the beginning of this episode, (laughs) there is a lot. Yeah, I would imagine. Yes. So, the Hills actually went back to their regular lives. Mm -hmm. I honestly do not think I could do that. (laughs) Um, They were willing to have her discuss the the alleged UFO Mm -hmm. encounter with friends, family, and the occasional UFO researcher. But the Hills apparently made no effort to seek publicity. Why can I say that? Publicity. Publicity. 
I still feel like that sounds weird. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> if you say so. On October 25th, 1965, a front page story in the Boston Traveler asked, quote, UFO chiller, did they seize couple? <laughs> um, reporter John H. Luttrell of The Traveler had allegedly been given an audio tape recording of the lecture the Hills had made at the Quincy Center in late 1963. Mm -hmm. Luttrell learned that the Hills had undergone hypnosis with Simon. He had also obtained the notes from a confidential interviews the Hills had given to UFO investigators, which I feel is like not fucking okay. Um, and on October 26, United and United Press International picked up Luttrell's story and the Hills earned international attention, Mm. which obviously, yeah, and really fucked up on Luttrell's part. It's kind of a dick. Mm. So in 1966, John G. Fuller secured the corporation of the Hills and Simon and then wrote a book called The Interrupted Journey about the case. So um, everybody's got to get their everybody's got to get something. So the book included a copy of Betty's sketch of the quote star map. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was obviously a quick fucking success mm-hmm. and went through several fucking printings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so later in life, Betty claimed to have seen UFOs a number of times after the initial abduction, mm-hmm. which goes on par again with what abductees say that they don't just see it once; they mm-hmm. see it quite often, um, for the rest of their lives, and she became a, cel- a celebrity in the UFO community. Aww. Uh, Barney, how, this is sad, so Barney died of cer- a cerebral hemorrhage mm-hmm. on February 25th, 1969, at the age of 46, Aww. and Betty Hill died of cancer on October 17th, 2004, at 85, never having remarried. Right? So that is the story of Betty and Barney Hill, one of the first ever publicized alien abduction cases. Well, that was a doozy. I told you! I'm gonna let you guys think about that and <laughs> um, keep your fucking eyes open. Wait, hold on. Sierra, do you have any comments on our, our story just now? Because <laughs> it's a lot. It is a lot, but I think, like, um, I feel like it's one of the, the more believable yeah, one, like, stories that I've heard of, like, you know, aliens and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just, like, a lot, like, a lot of information. I feel like that's why it's so believable. Probably. Because of the amount of information. And they didn't really gain anything from this. Yeah. They weren't actually, like, out there to, like, make the money about it, you know? So, it's like, you kind of, it makes it seem like it's more plausible. And, I mean, sure, they told their friends and family about it, but it's not like they went, like, looking for the recognition. Or something like that, you know? Yes, yes. But, I don't know, and I feel like, um, there's just a lot of things that line up, and, yeah, obviously, there's gonna be discrepancies and stuff, but... I mean, that's that's with anything. That's with fucking yeah. murder trials. Yeah. It, it's not anything to, like, worry about. Yeah, or hang on to. Yeah. So, no love that catch you up. 
because yeah. I think there's a lot of a lot of good details and a lot of um, consistency. And even... With even what I didn't even get into, there's yeah. still so much yeah. more. I like it. I mean, I think that their story seems believable. Well, my thing is, I think it's stupid of us not to assume that there is other life out there because mm. the universe is so fucking massive. Yeah. To think that we are the only ones in it is, one, just idiotic. Two, it's very narcissistic. <laughs> um, and three, how the fuck, like, even if it's, like, a tiny little microorganism, mm. there is definitely life out there. Um, whether or not it's coming to visit our assholes here, I don't know. I mean, I would stay away. Yeah, seriously. Have you seen our president? <laughs> um, not even that. Like, <laughs> killing the planet. Like, Oh, true. 110%. <laughs> Why would you come here if the planet's just gonna die? So. Exactly. So. I mean, Mags is a pretty great attraction. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, earlier, she's really mad at me right now, guys. So. But, Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it. Thank you for sharing. Um, You're very welcome. It was it was an intense note thing. Process. Yeah. I mean, I did it all in two hours, so I was kind of proud of myself. Yeah. Because I had to go back to work. Okay, I got home from work, guys. Had two hours free and then had to go back to work to the same house. And I was like, I need to get these notes done because <laughs> I am leaving on mm-hmm. Wednesday at the butt crack of dawn. And yep. tomorrow we are doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Sierra has to go to actual work. So. Gosh dang. Yeah. But yeah, so. You're I, starting your vacation. I'm starting my vacation. Super pumped. We're going to go eat steak. It's going to be great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this, this case is always something that really, really interesting. When I heard about it from M, mm-hmm. cause that's where I first heard about it was oh, okay. from M on, and that's why we drink. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I was just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so yeah, I just, I find it very interesting. I think it's cool that the first one is so good. Yes. The first encounter. The first abduction. Not the first, well, the first abduction. It's not the first abduction because there are other abductions. It is, however, the first one to reach this level. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Notoriety. Oh, okay. Because I'm 110% sure that there were probably other abductions before this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... I just think but this just is... the first one that's, like, more widely known. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's that's all I have for you guys. Um, that's all I have for you, Sierra. Can't think of anything else to tell you about it. No? No. I'm all out of things to say. It was my, so short. My voice is getting... <laughs> my voice is getting scratchy, so I know that's time for me to <laughs> take a break. And Sierra's going to plug all of the things in just one second, but I have a fucking request. If you guys have seen a motherfucking alien, (laughs) I need an email. I need a DM. I need a something recounting such story because I need to hear about it. Because it's just one of the things that makes me crazy. I just fucking love it. I'm obsessed. (laughs) My turn? It's your turn. Tell us all of the things, Sierra. Okay, we have a fantastic informational Instagram, Facebook, Paranormal Podcast, and us, of course, you can always find all the pictures and um, information and sources on our blog, ParanormalPodcast.com, and we, you can um, reach us through that, or you can email us at ParanormalPodcast at gmail.com, 
And da, 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 if you would love to support us on Patreon, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, we have cool, I think, cool, <laughs> exclusive. Oh, we know. It's not even <laughs> I think. We know it's cool fucking shit. <laughs> exclusive content on there for you. And um, the more people, more patrons we have, the more cool content we can provide. The more content in general we can provide. Because we broke motherfuckers. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> if you're 110%. If you are also broke and just trying to make it through, just uh, if you could help us out by sharing our yes. podcast with your spooky friends. Do it. I dare you. <laughs> and uh, we would greatly appreciate it. We just uh, want to hear from you guys and are hoping that this brightens your day a little bit in this crazy even if it doesn't um you know just fuck with it share it (laughs) but anyways we do hope you guys are doing well and making it through this crazy time right now and if you're tired of hearing people say this crazy time you should just message us and give us something else to talk about because (laughs) it is what it is yeah but if you do need um some help during this time that we are in (laughs) Uh, but we do unprecedented times. It's unprecedented time. Well, it's only been precedent for like six months. So, um, <laughs> so if you need help during this time, or if you're been looking for help and just are at that point where you can't accept it, we ha- do have resources available on our blog for all kinds of situations. And and um, I know we said this last episode. I just want to make it super clear. This is not in contact with us. We do not know what you guys are telling these professionals. Um, so it is completely, it can be completely anonymous. Um, so you don't have to worry about like somebody judging you. It is literally their passion to help you Yes. because mental health and your safety overall, even if you're mm-hmm. like in a domestic violence situation, um, is so, so, so important. You guys matter. We love you. And yeah, so check out those, those, those places. There are about 20 of them, I believe on, um, every single one of our episodes, we post it Mm -hmm. on the description, um, on the blog. Uh, but yeah, if you guys are in need of help, if you guys are at the the time where you are ready to get help, it is on the blog. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that is everything we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, will we be back next week? No. We won't be back next week. We're on break. Da-da-da. Yay! <laughs> so, you guys are just going to have to miss us a little bit more. Um, I hope you guys have a great two weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in your ears in two weeks. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.